This is the message from Connection Community Church for the Sunday, October 27th, 2013. Building a Connection, Honoring God. Good morning, Connection Community Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for this crisp morning, this day that we could gather as a community of faith and praise and worship your name. Honor you, Lord. God, open up our hearts so that we might hear uh, what you have intended for each one of us. We know that you speak to each one of us differently. So just help us be open to that. And thank you for this place where we can meet and connect others with Jesus and the life he offers that includes ourselves connected to you. We pray this in your name. And everybody gathered said, amen. Well, today we begin a four-week series called Building a Connection. So as you've already heard, this is the beginning stages of our capital campaign to help fund our new church building on 30171, just three miles north, thus building a connection. Now, as Stephanie and Dave shared, for those of you who are here for the first time, we're so glad you're here. If you've been here just for a little while, um, we want you to know and we want everybody to know that the principles that we'll be sharing today um, will help us understand the vision and what's going on and how we can be a part of it, but they also apply to building our own connection, our hearts. They link our hearts to God. Mm. So today our focus is honoring God with everything we've got. And our scripture for today is found in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 29. First Chronicles. I'm sorry, 1 Chronicles. Sorry. 1 Corinthians would be the New Testament, so that wouldn't work. 1 Chronicles <laughs> chapter 29. Yeah. David, King David, has gathered all the officials of Israel together in Jerusalem to make an announcement. David's going to build a temple to God. See, while the Israelites were wandering around the desert for 40 years, they worshipped God in a movable temple, a tent better known as the tabernacle. And even after they're all settled down in Jerusalem now, and they've been settled for a while, they have continued to worship God in this tent or tabernacle. Well, David was going to build the tabernacle, the temple, to the Lord. But then God told David that he, David, would not be the one to build it. You see, David was the one that God said, David had so much blood on his hands from all the battles that it took to unite and protect Israel. Interesting. What we find here is that David doesn't protest. David doesn't say, you know, you sent me into those battles and now I can't build the temple. He didn't say that. He didn't argue with God. He did say, or he didn't say, but God, I'm a man after your own heart. You know, I love you. No. You see, when God told David that he would not be the one to build the temple, he shared that it would be David's son, 
Solomon who would build the temple. Rather than protesting, David started a plan on how he could help facilitate that happen. And so David gave Solomon the detailed plans for the temple and its furnishings, which God had shared with David. He then began a capital campaign for funding it. He opened the national treasury. See, in that case, there wasn't a separation between church and state. (laughs) It was all together. But in addition to those uh, 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 capital funds from, the, from the, uh, their government, so to speak, David contributed vast sums from his personal account. It must have been good to be king back then because it's estimated that David gave billions in today's dollars from his personal holdings. Boy, that, that's really hard to imagine. But after David uh, committed from his personal finances, David asked this question. He said, now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? Then the leaders of families, the officers of tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds, and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. Mm. So in other words, David kind of leads the pack and then calls on the other leaders to kind of follow suit. And um, uh, David uh, responded after this by praising the Lord in front of the whole assembly. And this is what he said. He said, praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are given strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Wow. Well, the last line really says everything about David and David's people, the people who David was leading. David said, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? And then the clincher, everything comes from you. And here's the line that really got to me. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. You see, it's all God's. What we're returning back to you, David said, it's all yours anyway. And so we honor you with everything because everything we have is yours anyway. Mm. And we, um, Karen and I recognize this as well, realize it, that all we have is God's. Um, and we try to honor God with all that we have. I'm not sure we're always totally faithful to that, um, but we try. And, um, but it hasn't always been like that. Um, it's taken us some time, and so we'd kind of like to share a kind of a brief overview of that journey with you this morning. It's kind of funny how our past affects so much of our present day. 
I grew up as the oldest of five kids. We lived in Newark. My dad was a shift supervisor at DuPont, Chestnut Run, and mom was busy at home until I was in high school when she started working part-time. Now with five kids, there was a lot of sharing. Are there any big families in here? Yeah, you know about this. Lots of sharing. Sharing rooms, sharing clothes, sharing a small bag of McDonald's french fries. <laughs> True. Sharing the family car. We didn't all have cars. It was a family car. I got my first babysitting job when I was um, 11. We always had what we needed, but I didn't always feel like I had what I wanted. And we were all very aware that money was tight. My recollection of going out to dinner ever as a family happened for the first time on my 16th birthday when the celebration was that the family would go out to eat to celebrate mm -hmm. birthday number 16. I grew up with two sisters, one older, one younger, and as far back as I can remember, we were a two-income household. Uh, we were the first on the block with a second car so mom could get to work without having to drop dad off first. My father drove an oil truck. My mother was an office manager. She also managed the family finances. We weren't rich, but I would say we were comfortable. Work was always important, so the three of us kids always had a job from early on. I I started my first paper route when I was 12, 5.30 every morning, seven days a week, and I've been working ever since. <laughs> now, as young married adults, we click quickly connected to a church. And as most young couples, as it goes, we were on a, a really tight budget, and there wasn't any extra. So most weeks, we put a very nominal contribution into the offering plate. See, we hadn't really learned about tithing. Growing up, I don't remember learning about tithing, which is giving that first 10%. I don't remember learning about that. It wasn't until we took a disciple Bible study in that church that we, that we began to understand this thing. And, and then we, what we really understood was how far from the mark we were with our offerings at that time. So we decided we had to come actually... A, a, a thing at church where they gave you a slip of paper how if you went up maybe a percent or two a year you could kind of step up to the tithe and kind of ease into it over time which is what we tried to do and it wasn't easy as we held pretty tight because we're four kids and all that kind of thing and plus we were wired so differently my main gift is faith you know when you have the faith gift you say well let's just do it right it's easy <laughs> Well, my top gift <laughs> is administration. Okay, so think about that. Alan's saying, let's just do it. And I'm saying, how? okay, <laughs> that's well and good, but how are we going to just do it? Plus, at this point, I'd been doing the checkbook for the first, I think, 20 years, and then she took over the checkbook. And, and, and so while I'm saying just do it, she's trying to figure out... <laughs> how to write the check to make that happen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, my call to ministry, I was a nurse. Uh, my call to ministry, or when I became obedient to the call to ministry, there's a big difference there, uh, happened when I was 35 years old. So income-wise, 
a beginning student pastor at that time made about $15,000 a year. Wow. Yeah, big ones. My seminary bill was $10,000 a year. <laughs> well, Alan was in insurance and did quite well, so I wasn't too worried. Yeah. And then my call came three years later, and, and that 15000 was less than a quarter of my best earnings with the company I was with. And so that was certainly a change for us. And, you know, even with the faith gift, that was a little challenging since we had four kids. But, um, but through that, we really got the opportunity to recognize God's provision in our lives. People from our churches subsidize us with food, money for Christmas, assistance with kids. Several people assisted Carrie's uh, seminary tuition. You know, God provided a full scholarship for me, covered room, board, uh, classes, and even a little bit extra since I was part-time. And scholarships we got for Aaron and Megan, who were our oldest children who were in college at the time. Um, you know, what's funny is at the point where we had the least disposable income probably in our lives was the point where we felt absolutely compelled to start this whole tithing thing and give 10% to God, which, of course, was already his anyway. Well, all this was preparing us for the biggest change in our lives when we pulled up roots in Seaford and moved here to Middletown to start Connection Community Church. We left basically everything and everyone that we knew in our adult lives. I mean, we had a full life, 24 years there. We left a home that we had custom built. It was an incredible home, which ironically was in a neighborhood called Snug Harbor. So we <laughs> left cozy, our Snug Harbor, our safe harbor, to start a new adventure in Middletown. And by now, the 401k that we had when Alan was in insurance and any savings that we had that was long gone because we had been a student pastor with four kids for a number of years. And so we put it all on the line and we were so excited and so energized and so invested in every way to connect people with Jesus and the life that he offers. And our salaries in Seaford had grown from when we were student pastors. Um, but then when we moved up here, they kind of went back to the pastor minimum, which was higher than it had been 10 years before when we started, but was still not the level we'd been. Once again, though, our faith allowed us to see God in action and to see God's provision in our lives in ways that we can't even begin to count. So we share all of this. We share our history with you because that brings us to today. We are almost done raising our kids. We've done three weddings because we have three daughters. And in one and a half years from now, roll, we'll please. have four college educations under our belts. <laughs> yeah. Woo! You know yeah. what? It doesn't work on paper. It doesn't work on paper, but in God's economy, there's always enough. So here recently, Alan and I have begun to dream about no more college education and room and board and car insurance for a boy. No offense, Turner. A lot more saying. than girls. Okay, so all told, that's about 1000 bucks a month. Yes. 
I'm just still dreaming about it. <laughs> and the best part is when we moved here, we'd had a 30-year mortgage in Seaford. We were about 13 into that. I thought, man, if we could just do a 15-year mortgage when we're here, I wouldn't be an old, much, much, much older guy when we finished. And so we were able to do that 15-year mortgage. That was 12 years ago. Do the math. In three years, hello, 2016, no more mortgage payment. Hello. A little money then, not just from college, but from mortgage for a little travel, maybe do some home improvements that we've been putting off, all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of things to do with that money. So there's a saying that if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plan. Anybody heard that? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's so laughing. our plan <laughs> was to finally go on some vacations that we dreamed of and actually put on hold for our entire marriage, like... 35 years. Um, <laughs> Going to England. Alan was an English major, and he always wanted to go to England, so that was like a couple years away. And I've always wanted to see the Grand Canyon. I've never seen it, and I've just heard so much that it's so gorgeous. And, you know, we have gone on vacations, but it's a rare vacation that we've had that hasn't been subsidized in some way by family or friends, thank you very much, and um, by Alan's previous company, or by the church, and I want to be careful here, because in the cases of conferences that we've gone to, uh, we've added a couple extra days at our own expense, but it's been a great um, opportunity to see a little bit. So we've been dreaming of all the possibilities, and then this capital campaign comes along. <laughs> The capital campaign. I'm not sure when this happened. Um, I'm pretty sure I was sitting in an auditorium out in Lancaster in a church there, and we were at the Willow Creek uh, Leadership Summit simulcast. And I don't remember focusing, focusing, focusing on the campaign, but anyway, I'm sitting there, and we were in the very early stages talking about the campaign, barely started. I'm sitting in that auditorium, and a number comes into my head. I wasn't really thinking about how much we could or should give. It just came. It wasn't a number that I'd broken down and went, okay, if we do this and this and this, we can do this. It wasn't calculated based on how I thought we were going to be able to make it happen. It was a number that just kind of came to me. $50,000 number came into my head. But that's often how God works with me. I, if it's a number, it's, not, it's just it kind of comes to me. And it's usually pretty, um, well, really, uh, when it comes. And I told Carrie I'd been given that number, but it, it wasn't the right time to share it with her because I knew, because she told me, Alan, it's not the right time to share it with me. Uh, that's how I knew it wasn't the right time. Uh, you see, I actually started praying way back, like in the early spring, you know, the time that I heard God say it's time to go. And so I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so my prayer did not involve a number. My prayer went something like this. Dear God, help me have a generous heart. You've been so generous in our lives. You've shown us things that just blow my mind. 
God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Please take me to a place of peace. So that has been my prayer for months. Mm. So once I had the number, then I got to start thinking about where is that going to come from? Um, we don't have stocks and bonds. Um, the 4OK, as Carrie said, is long gone. Uh, the rental property we once owned in Seaford is also long, long gone. There's no other real estate holdings other than the house we live in. And we have a home equity line of credit that we've used over the years for cars and weddings and education. And there's a little bit uh, still on that. But there's still some money available in that line of credit. So I thought, okay, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's where we can get that money from. So I actually calculated what three years worth of college would be. And that was my starting point. That it's about you know thirty six thousand dollars if I did a thousand dollars if we did a thousand dollars a year for three years. But I knew that that wasn't really sacrificial because we're still having some fun and going out to eat and you know life is good. So it wasn't truly sacrificial to start there. So I began praying and I asked God for a number <coughs> about a month or so ago. And I got one. Be careful what you pray about. Really, be careful. God will answer. I got one, and I knew that our wonderful home that God had allowed us to purchase when we came to Middletown, the home that would be paid off in just three years, would be the source of our capital campaign funding. Now, at this point, we hadn't compared notes on this, right? We had not compared notes. So somewhere along the way, though, I heard about this capital campaign where uh, the day, the commitment day, where we come in, everybody brings their commitments with them, you know? When they get all ready to bring them up, the pastor says, okay, look at your number, and now double it. <laughs> wow, that's a novel idea. <laughs> so I looked at my number, 50, and I mentally, it wasn't that, that hard. I'm pretty good with math. I doubled it. <laughs> wow, $100,000. That's, that's a nice round number. <laughs> and we certainly wanted to be leaders in the campaign. That would probably help lead. And uh, certainly would be significant. It certainly would be sacrificial. Wow, 100000 Could we do it? I got to calculate. Well, if we drew every single dollar out of this home equity account that had been allocated and we added a few dollars of our own to it. If we really stretched the absolute, absolute, we could possibly maybe do it. I like that. No, wow, that sounded so good. I didn't know what Carrie would think, though, but I kind of thought, wow, what a number. So we still hadn't shared anything, um, except <laughs> we knew we had each had a number. And our plan was to meet up on the land one Friday afternoon with the number written in our pocket. So I felt kind of excited about it. I felt pretty nervous about it as well. And I had asked a few friends uh, to pray during that time because I, I really felt that the number that God had given me was a super stretch. And I knew that it was sacrificial. And I knew that the number also was not logical, but that it was from God. 
So I, um, we wrote numbers down. It was like high noon out there on the property. I had doubled the number. I wrote $100,000 on this little paper. And, you know, I, I should have written in hindsight. You know, hindsight's always 2020. I should have written 50000 and 100000 I should have written both. But I didn't. I just wrote the 100. I, I was pretty sure God had given me the 50. I couldn't say that about the 100. I don't know if that was me kind of whatever, getting in there or not. And so I was kind of floating it when I gave it to Carrie, kind of floating to see her reaction to <laughs> see if it was from God or from me. And it really wasn't fair to Carrie to do that uh, with just that number. I should have put both, but I didn't. So she gets this large $100,000 number on this piece of paper. So this day, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, we went to the land and we walked uh, back down the lane, back to the hedgerow, and like we really got into the, I, you know, we just kept walking. It's like I almost didn't want to stop and talk about this, but um, we prayed together and then we exchanged papers and I started to cry. I couldn't believe it. And I really believe that 50K was the number that God had given me. And I had even stretched that and written 60. Um, and Alan had written 100. And how could we be so far off? How could we be so far off? And so then a whole bunch of emotion came in to my heart. And I felt confused and I felt upset. And I actually felt angry to, you know, for Alan, like, how could you put like all this on the line? And I just, it wasn't good. And um, I think I was also angry with God. Mm -hmm. We weren't able to do much discussion after that point. Because <laughs> Carrie was pretty upset and emotionally charged. And usually when that happens, I tend to shut down. So those two factors make it for not much discussion to happen after that. But actually the shutdown in this particular case, not usually, but in this case, turned out to be valuable because it gave me some time to just really think. I hadn't been able to talk about the 50 and the 100 to carry and how that all came about. I just, so I, I'm sitting there and I'm shutting down and I'm thinking. And, and the more I'm thinking about it, the more I come to realize that God actually, he absolutely had given us both a number, and, and it was the same number. The number God had given me way back in August in that auditorium, 50,000, was exactly the number that he had given Carrie after she had done some calculating and some stretching. Not the 100,000. That wasn't the one that I'd calculated, nor the 60 that Carrie had stretched to, but the 50,000, God, in different ways. Like I say, with me sitting in an auditorium, with Carrie doing some wrestling, giving us exactly the same number. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome, yeah. how God works? So, only um, last week, did I do the math and shouldn't do that because it really doesn't work out on paper. <laughs> um, but I know, I know what we're called to give. I know what Alan and I, what we're called to give. And we share this number with you. I, I hope you hear our hearts. We're not trying to have you come up to that number, or down to that number, or whatever. 
we just want to be transparent with you. We just want to be transparent. We want to let you see the challenge and the struggle that it takes to be faithful and to work through these things that God has called us to do. And I gotta tell you, it's not easy to stand up here and share this message. It feels so personal. But we're called. We're called to be leaders, we're called to be transparent. And so we're believing in God's faithfulness. Everyone here can sacrifice, but your sacrifice is different than ours. It's equal sacrifice, but different gifts. We understand that everybody's all over the place in your ability and in your income. We get that. But all of us, in some way, can sacrifice. And so, um, the things that we've been dreaming about, uh, vacations, uh, well, we're really grateful, though, for those who are including us in your vacations. Thank you. And um, they're great, and we really have a great time. And um, we are so, so blessed. And our um, home renovations, like, you know, I've wanted a new countertop for 10 years. But anyway, um, that's really a want, not a need. And so I'm good with that. I'm good with setting that aside for a while. And so we echo what David shared in verse 14 of today's scripture from 1 Chronicles. We're going to adjust a little bit because it's a we rather than an I. But who are we and who are our people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, Lord. And we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from God. And of course, the greatest gift that God has given is his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The ultimate sacrificial giving to allow his son to die on the cross so that we might live through eternity. Sacrifice, <laughs> not equal giving, <laughs> but sacrifice. We are really excited, even though there's some tears here, we are really excited about being a part of and this. And happy. And happy about being a part of this NOW campaign and what will be possible, um, something that can impact so many lives, and it has eternal rewards, not just for us, but for the thousands who will come over the years, over the years to a campus someday and get connected with Jesus and the life he offers. The future is now. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you so much for the way that you just dump your love so generously. You don't give us the tithe of love. <laughs> You don't just give us 10% of forgiveness or 10% of mercy or 10% of grace, but 100%. And so help us realize, Lord, that everything that we have is yours. And uh, the resources that you allow us to have, God, help us honor you with them, whatever that looks like, whether it's um, whatever we do, 
with our, our time, our talent, our gifts, and our resources. God, we're humbled to be your children, and we just want to honor you with everything. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers.